when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Welcome to the FT Election Countdown, your regular update on the UK's general election from the Financial Times. I'm Sebastian Payne, and we're here with your mini midweek update to look at the state of the election campaign. From our office in the House of Commons, I'm joined by George Parker, the FT's political editor, James Blitz, our Whitehall editor, and Laura Hughes, political correspondent. Thank you all for joining. So let's begin by looking at where the campaign is for the Conservative Party, George, because we're now 10 days out from Election Day, and there's a couple of nerves at the top of the Tory party now because they're comfortably ahead in the polls, about 10 points according to the FT's poll of polls, but the party's still fearful of what happened in 2017, concerned that some things could blow it off course. Yes, that's right. We're into the final full week of the campaign. And as you say, the Conservatives have a lead which would give them a comfortable House of Commons majority, according to the FT poll tracker. Some opinion polls putting that lead slightly less than 10%. And of course, the key thing to look out for here is the gap between the Tories and Labour. If it gets down below 7%, then you're possibly into hung Parliament territory. And for those reasons, the Tory party are nervous that in the last 10 days or so of the campaign, things could start to move against them, particularly as they think their voters more or less peaks at around 42 or 43%, the sort of crushing of the Brexit party, corralling the Leave vote, and they want to hold that vote. So what are the things, not that strategy, of course, in the last 10 days? Well, the thing they're worried about this week, the three things are, first of all, the NATO summit, the arrival of Storm Donald in London. Is he going to endorse the Prime Minister? Is he going to talk about the NHS? So far, he's been reasonably disciplined, but we're speaking before he gives his closing press conference at NATO, so who knows what could happen there. The second thing, of course, is Jeremy Corbyn, the fact there's a head-to-head debate on Friday on the BBC, probably the most watched TV event of the campaign. Is it possible that Jeremy Corbyn could deliver the performance of his life and somehow shift the dial? And the third thing, which is out of the Tory party control, is the question of the Liberal Democrats. Can the Labour Party squeeze the Remain vote a bit more, push the Lib Dem vote down even further than it's been pushed down already, and therefore help them win those crucial seats in the Midlands and the North, where if the Remain vote splits between Labour and Lib Dems, it lets the Tories through. So let's unpack those three things and begin with the NATO summit. James Blitz, you've covered and watched many of these summits over the years. It's quite unusual to have an election when you've got 29 leaders of other countries descending on London, half the cities in lockdown, helicopters are flying everywhere. But the thing that number 10 is most concerned about is Donald Trump, because we know he loves to tweet, he loves to speak. And through the back channels, we know that Mr. Johnson was very keen to say to him, look, don't talk about the election, don't talk about Jeremy Corbyn, don't talk about a trade deal, because if he says something, Labour could hop on it, and before you know it, knock everything off course. Yes, that's exactly right. You have a situation, as George has said, where the Conservatives are about 10 points ahead. So they're in a very defensive mode. The way Boris Johnson is now playing the campaign is to just not do anything that can remotely dent that 10-point lead, if at all possible. So as far as Donald Trump is concerned, Boris Johnson has basically been doing everything possible not to be seen with him. And in fact, up till this point, there is barely a single photograph of the two of them together, except in the group photo of all the 29 leaders, plus Her Majesty the Queen and Prince Charles. So he He's done that well so far. 
if one has to make a judgment, I think Trump looks like he knows exactly what he's got to do to help Johnson out. Number one, he's basically said very little in praise of Johnson in his opening remarks. And number two, on the key question of what would happen in a US-UK trade deal and its implications for the NHS and pharmaceuticals, Trump has basically said something he hasn't really said before very dramatically. And he said, we're just not interested at all. If you put the NHS on a silver platter, we wouldn't be remotely interested in it. This is, of course, completely untrue when we actually get to a US-UK trade deal somewhere down the road, one, two, three years ahead. The US is absolutely, certainly and definitely going to want to have preferential access for US pharmaceuticals to the UK. But that's another story. We're in the sort of very short-term world now of the election, and Trump is probably, my guess, is going to keep everything under control. It is quite remarkable because when he called into Nigel Farage's radio show as the last time we heard Donald Trump getting involved in British politics, when he urged Mr Farage and Boris Johnson to work together, which I guess they did when the Brexit party stood down over half its candidates in the general election campaign. But there has been a bilateral meeting between the pair, even though Downing Street insisted nothing's in the diary, nothing's in the diary. We know that on Tuesday night, as well as those big drinks parties with all the other leaders, that the pair of them did have a chat together. And I'm sure at that meeting, Boris Johnson was saying again, look, just don't say anything, don't talk about the election, and it'll all be happy roses when I'm back in Downing Street come December the 12th. You're absolutely right, but it is quite extraordinary to see a British Prime Minister doing everything possible not to be seen with the US President. One goes back to that famous occasion with Gordon Brown when he took over as Prime Minister. He was so desperate to be seen with Barack Obama at their first possible meeting at a UN summit that they met up and had this sort of brush by in a kitchen which became very very exciting Blair was incredibly obsessed with the need to see both Clinton and George W. Bush Thatcher very close with Reagan etc etc it's hard to think in the last 20 years of a, a moment where a British Prime Minister has done so much to ensure that he is not seen with an American president. It is quite remarkable. Absolutely. But there was somebody, George, who did want to see Donald Trump, and that was Jeremy Corbyn. That he's been talking very aggressively about the NHS is not for sale, and I'm going to confront Donald Trump at this meeting. So he went to Buckingham Palace, put on his nice suit last night to try and meet the US president. And it turns out the pair weren't even allowed in the same room together. Yes, he only had... One- one job, didn't he, Jeremy Corbyn? At the end? It, was to, it was to confront the president, needle him into saying something intemperate and then brief it to the press. And of course, the meeting never happened, which is a major disappointment from the point of view of the Corbyn team who briefed ahead of time, as you said, that there was going to be this great confrontation in front of the Corgis. It never happened. So it was a bit of a missed opportunity, has to be said. Now, let's look at the next threat to the Tories, Laura Hughes, which is the Liberal Democrats, because so far their vote has remained at about 10 to 15 percent in this campaign. But it's slowly been going down. And as we've crunched the numbers at the FT, the big reason is the Remain vote. All the people who backed Remain in the 2016 referendum have gone from the Liberal Democrats back to Labour because they don't want Boris Johnson as Prime Minister. And they've concluded that actually Corbyn's policy of having a second referendum in any circumstance might be the best way forward. But if they do well, that will have big consequences for the Conservatives. Yes, I think the Lib Dems are actually only on 13% at the moment, which is just awful when you think that they entered this campaign offering Britain's Remainers a glimmer of hope. It felt like this was their moment to rediscover their roots, really, as an alternative force in British politics, a third way, Joe Swinson, the new leader, a fresh face, and yet they've 
totally failed to seize the moment. And it's for two things. One, as you mentioned, is that the Labour Party have endorsed a second referendum. When they devised this very hardline revoke Article 50 policy, the Liberal Democrats did that because they needed to set themselves out as the party of Remain and they didn't know what Labour was going to do. It would have been really hard for them to actually enter this election promising exactly the same thing as Jeremy Corbyn. In retrospect, it looks like that was the wrong decision because Corbyn has endorsed a second referendum. But crucially, he said he'd remain neutral. So actually, in that scenario, the Liberal Democrats could still have positioned themselves as the party of Remain. And then the other thing, which I've really seen in the last few days going out and about with Lib Dem candidates, is there are a lot of very wealthy conservatives who don't like Brexit, who in their heart of hearts would love to vote for the Lib Dems. But when it actually comes down to it, they're not convinced that a vote for the Lib Dems doesn't get them a Labour government. And that is the point. And I haven't heard a Liberal Democrat really answer that question. I haven't heard the Lib Dems assure Tories, soft Tories, that that's not what they'll get. So when these people get into the ballot box... I feel from speaking and seeing what I have over the last week, they're going to put their personal finances first and they're going to end up voting Conservative. I would absolutely agree with that. I was out in Cheltenham on Tuesday and that's one of the tightest fights of this election because Cheltenham has a big Cheltenham for you group with thousands of members, one of the most pro-EU towns in the country. It was held by the Conservatives just by their candidate Alex Chalk at the last election and they've thrown everything into it. You've had Matt Hancock, the health secretary's promised to save the A&E unit at the local hospital. He's been there to advocate that and yet the Lib Dems are trying to get this big argument about stopping Brexit but ultimately... People there know that if Corbyn becomes Prime Minister, all their wealthy Georgian townhouses might be under threat, their taxes are going to go up. And it's this problem about coalitions for the Lib Dem, isn't it? Because they've said, we're not going to go into government with Jeremy Corbyn or Boris Johnson, but they want a second referendum. And it doesn't take a genius or a Tory campaigner to say, if you vote Lib Dem, you're going to put Mr Corbyn into Downing Street by proxy. They're in a really tricky position because actually I think what a lot of these soft Tory anti-Brexit voters would like to hear is Liberal Democrats saying, no way Jeremy Corbyn, but possibly we could do something to put pressure on Boris Johnson, but they can't quite go that far. They are talking about reducing the Tories' majority. So they've shifted message. They've gone from saying, vote Lib Dems and we will revoke Article 50 and Joe Swinson will be Prime Minister. That's just not realistic anymore. And they know that and they've shifted. They're now talking about reducing the Tory majority. But that doesn't really mean anything unless you say you will then use your votes in a hung parliament to pressure the Conservatives, to work with the Conservatives in some way. And they can't because the coalition years were so toxic for them in some ways. And instead of going out and defending it, they've distanced themselves from it. And I think what a lot of these people would write to hear is vote for us, hung parliament. We will not vote with Jeremy Corbyn. We won't work with him in any way. It's all about the Tories for us. It's all about us moderating the Tories, bringing them down in the same way we did during the coalition years because there are a lot of people that did like the coalition and I think it might have been a mistake for them to have distanced themselves in the way that they have from what Nick Clegg did and what Jo Swinson herself did as a minister in that coalition. 
And when you looked at that YouGov MRP that came out last week, George, it was pretty dire for the Lib Dems. It looked as if they would actually go down on their current number of MPs following the defectors and be up just one or so from where they are. But people I've heard in both the Tories and the Liberal Democrats have said it won't take much tightening to get the Lib Dems into single figures in this election. They could really see their votes squeezed in the final week and just end up with a very small parliamentary number, which for those people who said this was the big moment for Remainers to have their moment, to really push for second and it's just a huge disappointment. Well, I think Laura's captured the problem the Lib Dem was facing extremely well. The one factor Laura didn't mention was the Joe Swinson factor, where they built a presidential campaign around Joe Swinson. They plastered her image across the bus. It was Joe Swinson's Liberal Democrats, without really having any idea how she would go down with the public. And anecdotally, she hasn't gone down especially well. And we've seen these polls, which, as we've discussed before, suggest that the more voters see of her, the less they like her. So there are a whole range of factors which have contributed to this. The only thing I think could save the Lib Dems at this late stage will be things like that big YouGov MRP poll, which suggests that Boris Johnson's going to win anyway, and therefore you've got a free hit. You can vote Lib Dem in Isha or Richmond Park and not worry about evil Jeremy Corbyn coming along and snaffling your Christmas bonus. So that's the one thing that I think the Tories are worried about, that actually if voters believe that Boris Johnson's got it in the bag, then you could see people switching to the Lib Dems and indeed voting Labour in the North. And then the final thing we have coming up is the head-to-head debate, and this is the last big moment of the election campaign. James, in the, these debates we've had so far, they've not been particularly enlightening, and Boris Johnson has only appeared at a handful of them. The first head-to-head debate between Boris Johnson and Jeremy Corbyn was basically it was a score draw. Nobody really came out of it any particularly worse or better This Friday feels like it is the last moment for Mr Corbyn to make progress, that if he does a good performance here, then it could boost his personal ratings and the Tories would be quite worried about that. But if, again, it's quite a flat turn, then I think CCHQ will be quite happy about it. That's right. I mean, in this final debate on Friday, Corbyn needs a knockout blow. It's as simple as that. I mean, if you look back over the course of the campaign, although there has been this softening of the Conservative lead and Labour has gone up a bit, there's never been a decisive moment where things really turned. The only moment in any television encounter where you felt something bad happened for a leader was the Andrew Neil-Jeremy Corbyn encounter. That was the one where you felt the audience would come away and think, actually, he really has been pinned down on a whole range of issues. But this isn't going to be Andrew Neil. This is Johnson versus Jeremy Corbyn. My prediction is it will be tough, but it won't push things one way or the other. These two people are very well known now to the public. People have got very strong views about them. It's not as though some unknown is suddenly appearing here and is proving himself for the first time. My guess is they'll slug it out. But it really will take something exceptional for Corbyn to turn around the course of the campaign. Because, Laura, when we looked at that first debate with Jeremy Corbyn, you know, he had this big moment when he was talking about trade deals with the US and the NHS. And I'm sure with Donald Trump in town, he will be trying to pull out that argument once again. But it's quite difficult to know what Labour can do now because they brought out some more policies this week. They announced slashing rail fares by a third as well and all sorts of measures to tackle inequality. But it doesn't really seem to be shifting the dial now because, as James said, most people have made up their minds on people. And, of course, postal votes have been dropping this week as well, which is very important to remember that a good portion of the electorate have already voted. So it might be too late for an awful lot of people. There was an extraordinary focus group that was televised earlier this week 
where they had a whole group of Labour Leave voters and they all stuck their hands up and said that they would vote for the Conservatives. And I think the get Brexit done message is really cutting through. So what Boris Johnson is going to do on Friday night is he is just going to say that again, again and again. And it's much harder for Jeremy Corbyn. I think in this campaign what we've seen is the Conservatives have a really simple three word in the same way that take back control during the Leave campaign was so effective. Get Brexit done is also cutting through. And Labour don't quite have that simple messaging. But it will be interesting to see what happens. I would expect Boris Johnson to just stick to the script. But it's hard to know what Jeremy Corbyn can actually do at this late stage of the game. And when he brings up that NHS America line, the Prime Minister is likely just to turn around and say, look, you heard what Donald Trump said, X, Y, Z. And it will deflate that argument. The President has actually helped Boris Johnson with his comments this week and it's the exact opposite of what the Labour Party would have liked to see happen. It could all still change. Can Donald Trump resist the temptation to get involved? I don't know. But if he doesn't, Jeremy Corbyn will go into it without the ammunition that he thought he was going to have and the Prime Minister will go and sticking to the script saying exactly what he has the whole time and it does look like it's working. Well, it seems a long shot, doesn't it? The idea that Jeremy Corbyn can turn this around and as James was saying, people know everything they need to know about Jeremy Corbyn. Can he do it on Friday? Well, the one big unknown factor of this election is the thing that we discovered we didn't know at the last election in 2017. And neither did MPs who'd been knocking on doors for four or five weeks. They thought, and lots of Labour MPs thought, they were looking for a new job the day after the election. And people like the pollsters, people like journalists were predicting it was all in the bag for Theresa May, even though you could see the air coming out of her campaign pretty quickly. We still thought that Jeremy Corbyn was unelectable. He ended up getting 40 percent of the vote. So, you know, there's a danger for people like us aiming off too much this time because we got it wrong last time. And so did most other people as well. But that's the one unpredictable thing. Do we actually really know what's going on inside voters' heads? We think we do. We've spoken to quite a few of them. The pollsters speak to them all the time. The candidates speak to them. But do we really know what goes on in their heads as they get into the intimacy of the polling booth on December the 12th? I think this is absolutely true. And I remember speaking to one Labour candidate who said to me, either it's a hung parliament and it could just be the simple fact that our voting coalition holds up despite the polls, despite everything we've seen, or it could collapse entirely and that could throw the election in a very different light. And one point is actually that if the Tories do look like they're going to win and journalists and commentators say they are, those Labour voters who for the first time are considering a Tory might actually decide at that very last moment, oh, I just can't bring myself to do it and he's going to win anyway and Brexit will be done, which is what I want. But the principle of it, I can't, I can't do it. So you just don't know actually if all those people that we assume are going to go Tory decide yeah, they just can't do it. I think that's absolutely true as well, because that's why every single person in the Conservative campaign and minister you speak to says it's tight, it's close, it's not in the bag. Corbyn could still win because they want us all to pass that on to readers and viewers and everything so it doesn't look like it's done. That's it for our midweek podcast update. Thank you very much to George, Laura and James for joining us. We'll be back on Saturday for our full podcast looking at all the election action. In the meantime, if you'd like to see more about the UK's campaign, then do check out our latest subscription offers, ft.com forward slash offer. The FT Election Countdown was presented by me, Sebastian Payne, and produced by Anna Dedder. Until next time, thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.